Welcome to Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Each week, we explore down and dirty ways to stop awfulizing, catastrophizing, going down the rabbit hole, and moving through all the craziness that is happening right now. We're here to create a community of like-minded people as we give you tips, tricks, and techniques for keeping sane in an unhinged world. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Hey, everybody. This is Scott Grossberg, one of your co-hosts for the podcast, Keeping Your Shit Together in a Stressed World. Uh, And I'm here with my co-host, Michelle Post. Hey, Michelle. Hello, Scott. Hi, everybody. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. And we've got uh, a big two-part discussion for you guys starting today. Mm -hmm. So it's going to carry over and uh, we'll explain how that happened. But before we do that, Mm -hmm. but wait, but wait, there's more. There is. Um, We have something to celebrate, don't we? We do. I was just going to look up some new numbers uh, Uh while we're chatting here. Uh Let's see what we've got here. We have officially hit uh, over 6,500 all-time plays. Uh, Our audience is growing. So thank all of you for listening, supporting us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And (laughs) I've I've said it before. I'm going to say it at the top of the show today. Uh, It really helps us if you like, comment, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Share this with others. Uh, You know, this is something, this is Michelle's and my passion project, for lack of a better better way to put it. It's our way of giving back. And it's always a nice, I'll use the codependent term. It's always (laughs) nice to get the outside validation that we're actually connecting with people. So thanks to all of you who've helped us uh, move closer to 7,000. Uh, mm-hmm. and to that and beyond, I guess, as they say in Toy Story. Um, <laughs> to and infinity just, and to beyond. To infinity and beyond. Yeah. I, oh, I can't wait to pull up the play and it says infinity on it. Wouldn't that be I great? I know. Yes. <laughs> so what do you yes. have going, what do you have going on that we might well, talk about? I am glad you asked me because, uh, at, you know, it's November 14th today and, As uh, the U.S. Thanksgiving approaches towards the end of November and the celebration of Hanukkah and Christmas and New Year's approach, I start to hear about the holiday blues from my clients. And so we're already talking about how to prepare for that. You know, for some, it's official, it's seasonal affective disorder. For others, it's just the holiday blues. It's the not so happy holidays, the the time where either people don't have family still left alive or people don't enjoy the families they do have, or they're thinking about, you know, they're comparing their life with others and wishing they had better relationships with their mothers, their children, their fathers, their uncles, you know, and a lot of people talk about, you know, the one offbeat family member that gets too drunk or too critical or, you know, too something over the holidays that make it really uncomfortable and difficult. And I just want to remind you, you're not alone that when you, when you look at it, it's actually more rare to have a close knit extended family that really gets along and loves being together than it is for people to struggle with their family and their extended family. So I just want to remind you, get enough sleep, take good care of yourself, eat and drink in moderation, exercise, even if it's a short walk, you know, you're in the middle of a holiday celebration that's going downhill, excuse yourself and go outside and get a walk or go to the bathroom. If it's really cold and wintry outside, get a break, drink some water. You don't have to stay for the drama. Okay. Just try to keep it simple. Um, stick to normal routines as much as you can and take off a lot of that cognitive distortions of shoulds and woulds and coulds. Just those are, those are my thoughts right now. You know, I, I'm glad <laughs> you brought that up. Um, I, I, in the world I work in, right. I I'm not dealing with the holiday blues, although I guess that may be a symptom of some of the stuff. Uh, most mm-hmm. of my clients are now fretting, getting ready for 2023 and mm-hmm. their resolutions and what are they going to prepare for? And, oh, let's cram because that's how they did it in college or school, right? They cram <laughs> the night before the test. Why should their life be any different? Um, and so 
interestingly enough, I am doing a lot of talking to people and there's a crossover, Michelle, with what you just said about how not to compare and not to contrast. Yes. With and, others. and mm -hmm. it's, and along those lines, many of you know, uh, I, I love country music. And in particular, one of the, my favorite artists is Kelsey Ballerini. And she just came out with a new song. And if you mm. don't mind, I'd like to share some of the lyrics of it. Sure. Um, it's called What I Have. Mm. And it's a wonderful uh, song. I'm just going to read you the beginning of it. My neighbor's grass is the hit of the street. But that now it's country music, so this is not going to be grammatically correct also for Scott true in for California. Neighbor. <laughs> My neighbor's grass is the hit of the street, but that don't mean mine ain't just as green. I've been comparing shiny new toys. It's just the root of the thief of my joy. Ooh. I know that's just the pony show. Um, and it goes on. And the one that's so fascinating. Um She's got another line in here. I bought the shoes where the bottom is red. Ooh. But who the hell am I trying to impress? When you sit back, that's when you notice that the Joneses can't even keep up with the Joneses. So true. And it, it just goes on. It's a marvelous song. It's called What I Have. I, I encourage it's actually gone, gone on to my uh, walking meditation list where... Mm. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you actually take time? We've talked before about the, you know my abundance formula mm -hmm. and sitting back and saying, I have an abundance in my life or I have joy in my life or I have happiness in my life because Michelle, I get to do this podcast with you or mm -hmm. I'm sitting here with a roof over my head or look, we have mm -hmm. listeners both live and on replay who are sitting mm -hmm. here with us. I have abundance. Um, wouldn't it be wonderful if you start, instead of contrasting and comparing, taking an inventory? Mm -hmm of what you actually have. Because mm -hmm. folks, if you're listening to this show, you probably have what I call first world problems. <laughs> Instead of some of the stuff we're reading about and seeing overseas and, and, mm. and things like that. So it, it's, mm. yes, we all have pain. Uh, it doesn't have to turn into suffering, but we all have pain. That's part of life. Uh, when you get to the suffering aspect, that's when you need Michelle and me, particularly Michelle. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the reality is if you compare and contrast, at least I notice that with my clients, you're never going to grow. You're always going to get stuck. Because mm -hmm. there's always someone with more. Always somebody with more, unless you're the, I guess, the one person that's the richest person in the whole world. Who, by who... the way, this morning made headlines because he's given it all away. Wow. Who is it? Bezos. Oh, well, yeah. So, and, and by the way, this, this is a thing, and I believe it was started by Bill Gates, where, you know, you've got all these people with, as they call it, more money than God. Um, they've got all this money. And yeah. I, be I believe it was Bill Gates who said, how about we see if we can give it all away during our lifetimes? I know. I know. I had a friend whose son was a a beneficiary of the Gates Foundation college education program and went to undergrad, grad school, and PhD thanks to the foundation. So I do know that they do some good work in the world. Um, but, it, you know, like we said, there's, oh, and I was thinking about those red sole shoes. I am a shoe, I have kind of a shoe fetish, but just for those of you who don't have really thin, narrow, tiny feet, those red soled shoes are really painful. <laughs> so, you know, even if you're, you are trying to keep up with the Joneses, you're not able to keep the Joneses are not able to keep up with the Joneses. I love that line. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe you don't even want to. I, I will tell you coming from the world of high profile, high risk, high exposure litigation. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. dealing with the media, dealing with all that stuff. I, I was around some fairly successful, actually massively, objectively, massively successful people. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you guys, particularly in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. they all had rented lifestyles. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was warned early on, uh, and I kind of laughed at it when it first started. I was, I, I laughed at it. Uh, somebody pulled me aside and Scott said, Scott, if I can give you one piece of advice, 
I want you to always be aware that in this world, the world that we're living in, the more money you make, the more money you spend. It's true. And um, thankfully, I was, I'm very money, I have a good relationship with money. And mm -hmm. because, you know, I grew up with a dad who was a CPA, um, ah. very financially savvy. And so I never fell into that rented lifestyle trap. Mm -hmm. uh, it, and it's a sh it, it, it was like shocking because you'd see from the outside, you'd objectify it, right? Mm -hmm. Keeping up with the Joneses, these guys are all driving the brand new Porsches and the brand new Maseratis and the things like that. And they've got, you know, this house or that house and they're associating mm -hmm. with these people and those. And it was all bullshit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it didn't make them any happier, folks. I know I, I'm an oddball in this world in that I don't, I have a good relationship with money too, but I don't, I don't value stuff um, I, I, or accumulation I had, of stuff. I will tell you, it got so bad. I actually, um, we're affiliated, I guess I should say, I, I'll call us friends, but it's not one of those. It, it's not like you and me, Michelle. Uh -huh. um, I have one individual massively successful lives in Beverly Hills and one of those zip codes mm -hmm. and um he actually criticized me for living where I'm living oh and said there is literally no life past the 605 freeway he believes well, that in keeping up with the Joneses there's some people that don't believe there's a life past the 110 freeway or the 405 freeway like there's yeah. always somebody that has yeah. Or there's no life outside of Malibu or I, mean, I don't know. People have their weird stuff, whatever it is. Yeah. It's fine. You know, live your life. Well, that, I'm not, that, I'm not that, trying to judge you no matter what side you're on. Yeah. I just, it's just not my thing. It, not my value. Again, it's not my value either. It, it, yeah. it isn't. I'm, I'm, I'm the guy and this will make a nice transition in today's show okay. who says, how about you start living your life based on how much happiness you do? Yeah. And how much success you feel. It's not the way most people view it. Most people say you do success and then you will feel happy. Mm. And I just don't buy it. It's like, it's you do things, you do happy, you feel success as a result of that. Mm. Mm -hmm. And Which, since this episode is the life is more than happy yeah, and angry. I know. So you, <laughs> why, why don't you introduce this? Because I it, it started yeah. with an idea from you. It did. I, I was having a discussion with my partner uh, who sometimes assumes that if I'm not happy, I must be angry. <laughs> but being a therapist means like I have this full range of emotions that can be like sad or hurt or disappointed or exhausted or confused or, you know, sometimes even just surprised or worried or, you know, like I have a full range of emotions that I've learned to notice and identify and live with and make friends with because I'm human. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I thought we should talk about the range of happy and angry. And in the course of this, a good colleague of mine suggested that I might want to watch a TED talk who by Susan David, that is about the gift and power of emotional courage. So what was funny is one of my favorite lines from her TED talk is when she hears people say, oh, I wish I didn't feel this, or I wish I didn't feel that, or wish I didn't feel sad or disappointed or stressed or blah, blah, blah. She tells them that they have the wishes of dead people because only dead people are not inconvenienced by stress or heartache or sadness, or, you know, wow. all the other things. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Because we're human, you are going to have different feelings. However, sometimes we're raised that certain feelings are not allowed to be expressed in the home. And it really stifles us and can interfere with our relationships. So I thought we should talk about a lot of the different feelings that are out there. And then what do you do when you notice you have them? Well, so, it, you know, in preparing for this show, because I was thrown a little aback uh -huh. um, because I do feel a large range of emotions and may, we may touch on uh, some of the stuff that Michelle and I have chatted about 
off air, uh, on air. But in the process of getting ready for the show, I looked up just how many freaking emotions are there? Uh I mean, Uh let's get real. How many Uh are there? And and, and (laughs) depending on the theory that you look up, Yes. Um, you know, I found one right now. I'm looking at them. It's 27. Forget okay. the Disney, forget the Disney or Pixar, or whichever movie it was about the emotions. Inside right? out. Uh-huh. Inside, yeah, forget that one. Uh, because uh-huh. they didn't even put them all in, right? They they edited they that. Five, but, I think. But uh-huh. here are 27 in a list, real quickly. Admiration, okay. adoration, aesthetic appreciation, amusement, anxiety, awe, awkwardness, boredom calmness, confusion, craving, disgust, empathic pain, entrancement, envy, excitement, fear, horror, interest, joy, nostalgia, romance, sadness, satisfaction, sexual desire, sympathy, and triumph. That was alphabetical and in no particular order. Was guilt in there? Uh, Guilt is not in here. Okay, that list is wrong. Was shame in there? Shame is not in here. (laughs) Okay. Now that brings up my point because I was but, taught. But in- so you're dealing, so you are doing uh-huh. with the discrete emotion theory. What do you mean? So discrete emotion theory, different than what I just gave you, is yeah. only 12 emotions and it's interest, joy, surprise, sadness, anger, disgust, contempt, self-hostility, fear, shame, shyness, and guilt. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I usually try to my, for my clients that when I say, well, how are you feeling? And they respond with, well, I was thinking this and I was feeling like that. And whenever somebody says I'm feeling like that, and it's a phrase and not a one word emotion, they're, they're describing their thinking or their actions. They're not describing their feelings. So on a basic, basic level, I operate from the four basic emotions model, which is most feelings boil down into four umbrellas, mad, sad, happy, and afraid. And then of course, some argue that it should be five or should be seven or it should be whatever. But most, uh, when I, when I ask someone, how are you feeling mad, sad, happy, or afraid or another I give them permission to name whatever feeling they are, but I also educate them to use the word and a tune in. Like sometimes I don't think some people will say angry is a superficial emotion and underneath that is hurt. And I, I do agree that many times if your auto response is to react with anger, that you may have some hurt feelings in there that you're, you're feeling too vulnerable to identify. But I also see the opposite. If people's automatic response is sad or self-blame, that there often can be an unexpressed resentment or anger that they don't feel safe expressing. So I try to look at what was the family of origins, you know, your original family, what was their belief about emotions and whether you could talk about emotions and just say, I feel blank. And if, you know, I meet a lot of women where, Um, they're really, really pushed not to express anger or they're called a bitch or a nag, or, you know, they, they get shamed. And I meet quite a few men that are not allowed to express sadness or vulnerability or crying because then they're called weak or, uh, you know, wimpy and they're, you know, sent to their room until they, you know, or don't cry. I'll give you something to cry about stuff. So I think it depends on where someone comes into my office in terms of what we make them or help them move towards, but having a full understanding of your emotions and being able to name them is really important because instead of lashing out at your partner or your friend or your boss or your coworker, you know, with some other language, you can actually start to realize, oh, wait, I'm feeling threatened here or I'm feeling disrespected or feeling sad or hurt here. If you're with someone safe, you can just simply say, I feel blank right now. And I'm not sure why I need a moment to figure this out. I I will tell you, it's very interesting that you say that. And if I get off where you want to go with this, let me know. And I'll just be quiet. Um, (laughs) And I don't say that often, but I want to make sure the show goes in the direction that you and we want it to go. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, one of the things I do with my live audiences, I don't do this usually virtually, but on my live audiences is I start with getting people in touch with 
if you can name it, we've talked about the Brene Brown concept before, if you can name it, then you can express it. But if you can't name it accurately, clearly, and deeply, if it doesn't mean what you are are meaning, mm -hmm. <laughs> then it's not going to, it's going to come across muddy, at which mm -hmm. point you just confuse everybody. And mm -hmm. so one of the things I do with folks as I live is I ask them, do you remember where you were when you first heard about 9-11, that it was a terrorist attack, not that a plane hit the building. Mm -hmm. I remember where I was when I heard the plane hit the building. Mm -hmm. And I remember where I was when we were told we're under attack. That's literally how it was phrased, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. I happened to be on my way to, of all places, into a federal building. Oh, wow. When this happened. And it was pure pandemonium at that point. Yeah, You know, everybody was on lockdown. We were all held outside, not not at gunpoint, but there were freaking mm -hmm. soldiers outside. Mm -hmm. uh, this is in downtown Los Angeles, mm -hmm. blocking streets. Yes. And and a truck happened to pull up it was completely <laughs> right. It was completely accidental. A truck mm -hmm. pulled up. The driver got out and left the truck on the street because he ran in, I think, to a donut shop. Oh, you would have thought that it was literally a bomb had just a bomb, gone off and they surrounded the truck and yeah. it was just, it was like and so i said if you can remember where you were i want you to now identify how you felt at the time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right major event things that we remember right i, I mm -hmm. you know i know where i was when reagan was shot i know where i was when kennedy was shot i know where i was when we landed on the moon the, those things that you what were you emotionally experiencing? And I've said this to you before, Michelle, because you and I reacted differently to 9-11. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I got, my first reaction was I got angry. Yeah. Which, I wanted to lash is, out. Which is a, an experience I hear quite often from my male clients, that they take up the torch in defense and yeah. wanting to defend and attack back and revenge and anger. And I hear that a lot. And I hear more from women sad or afraid. Sad or afraid are easier to express than anger. Um, so it just, and, and if we don't have the full range of emotions, we are limited to this kind of restricted response to things. And it can be off putting for others in our lives to not have flexible responses to different life events or stressors, right? Like if, if every time something stressful happens in my life, I attack and I'm angry, that's as limiting as a response is as if every time I seem to react with sad and self-blame. Those are both limited responses, whereas there are times to think about self-blame. There are times to be hurt. There are times to say, ow, you stepped on my foot. Please get off my foot. I'm angry. You know, don't do that on purpose. <laughs> well, you know, you know I, I, I've said this before, and, and this may be a great time. I'll actually bring it up. Michelle asked me to watch a uh, TED Talk in preparation for today, which I mm -hmm. did. But uh, you've, heard <laughs> me, you've heard me on this show before mention Lady Gaga. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, here, here is a phenomenal performer who, uh, by her own admission, went through identity issues and stage fright and insecurities. And I don't know if she was ever diagnosed with anxiety. Who knows, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I, I just always remember the quote from her. They can't scare me if I scare them first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she's got her little monsters who were followers yeah yeah she calls her followers monsters yeah and it, and it's I've always found that fascinating because in retrospect even before watching this this TED talk that you told me about uh -huh. um, I think that's the way my whole family was very uh, while it was a matriarchy let's make no bones about it mm -hmm. women women were put on pedestals they okay. were to be respected. And frankly, it I don't know, I, again, just because of my upbringing, I certainly watched Fiddler on the Roof. Um, and I don't know if any of you remember, there was Tevya, the, the male uh, patriarch of the family, uh -huh. would put his foot down and put his fist here and he would yell this and yell that. And then his wife would say something and it was like, okay, and then he'd go do it. 
So it, <laughs> it was very much that kind of an environment where um, it was on the surface of patriarchy, uh -huh. but it was the women behind the scenes who pulled the strings. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And, and I grew up being told you will never touch a woman. You will never uh, disrespect a woman. They, they are literally God's gift to mankind. So with that, I've always had a white knight syndrome as well. Mm -hmm. And when you have a white knight syndrome, there are you, complexes with that. You, you get the protection, anger, don't mess with me and mine. Yes. And oh, by the way, you do it long enough and I'm going to start attacking first. Yep. So you might want to, so I say that because it was very interesting listening to the man box explanation. And I don't know yeah. if you want to talk about the TED talk thing. Oh yeah. I, so I love Tony Porter's work where he is trying to help men identify the way they've been socialized uh, to not have a full range of emotions. And sometimes that leads to creating a hierarchy between men, the LGBT community, women, and, you know, at its worst range to objectification of others and abuse of others. And, but the parts that I really love is uh, it, it is such a place of privilege when one of my male clients expresses vulnerability because I do realize that there can be, the patriarchy has pressured men into always being the white knight and the strong one. And you know, there's a price that men pay for not expressing sadness, for not being able to cry, for not being able to say, I'm scared. There's a price that they pay and that's not good for women or men. So how does that, as a therapist, and, and we we won't get too heavily into the TED Talk thing, but there was a man mm -hmm. box that he he uses in the TED Talk and mm -hmm. talks about crying, for example. And I've been mm -hmm. transparent on this show. I've cried. And, and I will be as transparent to tell you that sometimes off air, Michelle and I have had uh, conversations and I've cried. And I catch myself because it's like, I, I don't want to, I don't want Michelle to see me cry. <laughs> which means I'm either happy or angry. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a, it's a, it's a man box, right. And probably comes from a lot of molding that said something about not showing weakness in front of others. And to cry is not weak, in my opinion. It's Tom real. Hanks. Tom, come on, Tom Hanks said there's no crying in baseball. <laughs> but you're not playing baseball all the I time. I know. Well, <laughs> it, and so that's my question. I guess you know. Before so don't we cry get... when you play baseball. <laughs> Ouch. Um. <laughs> by By the way, I, I it, or work on the roof or. What I, what I guess I'm asking is be, before we get too deep into the subject, because it's a big topic yeah, um, and you and I are, are going to carry this over into next week as well. Yeah. How can we let listeners determine? I mean, it's great. I mean, I'm not saying this very well. Yeah. It's great for us to say have a wider range of emotions and learn to express it more articulately sure. and learn to identify. Let's go back to the beginning. You're a therapist. Yes. I come to you. I'm yes. emotionally stunted or personally <laughs> unaware or whatever, you know, pick whatever you want to pick, right? Okay. Like I come to you and it's like, I hear I, I my go-to response is getting angry. I don't want to cry in front of people. And right. I don't even know what happy is anymore. That's what right. I, those are the presenting symptoms. Wow. So how do you uh -huh. as a therapist, what could we tell yeah. our listeners how do they get an inventory of emotions to begin with for themselves? Awesome question. So this is going to sound really silly, but I'm going to tell you one of my tricks is there's a magnet for your fridge that is uh, called the mood dudes. And it's these little cartoon faces with emotional words underneath them. And it goes on your fridge. And then there's a little blue square that says, today I feel dot, dot, dot. And you move 
the blue square. And it's actually really fun if you have more than one person living in your household too, because it can be a way like, oh, you know, oh, they moved, their mood is there. Oh, I'm going to move. And it's a way of communicating between you and others that maybe you don't always make the space for, or it changes over the course of the day. But I used to have it when I lived by myself and I was single and I just, I did it just to see, just to be an old, my own witness to my own life, which I, I think is a huge part of self-efficacy and, and importance. But anyway, so it's this little magnet it's got a, a bunch of mood dude faces on it and sort of uh, breaks them down into exhausted and confused and mischievous and frightened and enraged and surprised and anxious and shy and bored and love struck. And, you know, so it's got all these different moods that you can move to and even having like a, like a mood chart and you take 10 seconds to say today, my overall mood for the day was this, or if you realize that you do have more of a range of moods, you might do a journal check-in where you realize, oh, I've had like three major different feelings today. And on a scale of zero being none to 10 being the maximum I could ever imagine feeling this, here's what my score is. It's a, you know, three out of a 10 stressed and it's a five out of 10 happy and it's a two out of 10 sad. And it's just a, it's a feeling journal. So you can do that in your journal or you can do that with your little mood dude chart on the, on the wall, but just step one, recognize you have an emotional state, name it accurately and maybe rate its strength. So interestingly, I'd, ne I'd never seen these mood dude magnets and we have no relation to them, but if they want to no. send us some, week, they can. Um, <laughs> they, 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 I didn't realize what they are. It's kind of cool. And they got a variety of different ones, depending on yes. how much money you want to spend and et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, but the small even, fridge they, ones they, are like five bucks. Yeah. And they, they, they even, you can buy them in packages of 10, I guess, and give, give them, them as gifts. Give them to your friends for the holidays. I, I want to point out for, for those of you that don't want to put this on the fridge or who don't uh, want to keep a written journal, because I'm a big believer in writing this stuff down and getting it out. Uh, there is a great app and I have periodically used it. I, as we were talking, I realized I haven't gone back to this in a while, but I've played around with it. Uh, it's called Thought Diary. Yes. Uh, and it's free. Uh, at least it is on the app store for your iPhone. And it's okay. one word, T-H-O-U-G-H-T, diary, thought diary. And it's it's essentially a CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy tool. Awesome. Uh, and I don't know if it's available for Android or on the others, but it's thought diary. I'm sure you can go on the app store and just type in CBT journal, not, not CBD, CBT isn't fun. <laughs> um, you could probably get a CBD journal, journal as well. As well. Different um, angle there. But uh, it's a marvelous way to do it. For those of you who have been to any of my trainings before where I've talked about uh, brain maps, mind maps, brain dumping, et cetera, yes, uh, yes. I actually do stuff that way. And I have a separate mind map that's just a C, it's my CBT uh, thought log. Mm -hmm. Today mm -hmm. I'm, fe I'm feeling, or as I like to put it, today I'm noticing that mm -hmm. I'm feeling. I notice I'm feeling this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but again, Michelle, how do you go back? You know, sometimes when people talk about emotions, yeah, and, and I'm sure you and your significant other, and I'm, you know, Carolyn and I do the same thing. We talk past each other, but we think we're saying the same thing. Oh yes, there's miscommunication all over the place. And I got to tell you, I, I, I have certainly as a result of this show. Uh, in particular, done a lot of studying on communication and how couples work together, et cetera, et cetera. And some of this, it's all fine and dandy to say, well, what I'm saying is not what I'm meaning. And what I'm meaning is not what I'm saying. How do we help the listener identify what they're feeling? Because sometimes even Scott uh, doesn't know what I'm feeling. I just, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. the, other, the other day, for example, Carolyn said, are you anxious about something? Yeah. And I, it's like, I don't think I am. <laughs> and, and then I, and then I noticed in my body, uh -huh. I went back to the physical feeling yes. in my body. I actually was anxious, but I can't tell you why I couldn't tell you what it was from. Okay. Um, you know, so how do we help the listener? Be, if we're going to talk about moving beyond just happy and 
angry, mm-hmm. they, they've got to be able to identify what the other is. Yeah. So I, I love that the idea that one of the ways you can do some self-discovery around feelings is tune into what physiological responses are going on in your body, right? So when you, Scott, in your example, scanned your body and realized that you probably had some tension in your body. Yeah. Uh, so tension is, is typically associated with either stress or anxiety or worry or sometimes anger, you know, uh, the unexpressed anger can lead to attention building in or a sense of disrespect. So tension is, is one thing to look for. Where is it in your body? Like the belly sometimes seems to be associated with worry or anxiety. Like if people feel something strange in their belly, that can often be connected to worry or stress. If people feel silenced in their throat or hot in their Mm -hmm. throat, um, that's, I mean, that can be associated with any number of feelings, you know, and each person's body is different, but for some, that's like a a sadness. I don't want to speak anymore, or I might cry. So it can be a repression of, of sadness. Um, it also, again, if you tend to be a repressor of anger, that hotness in your throat and the lack of being able to speak can be because you have these messages like your whole life that you shouldn't show anger, right? That it's bad to be angry uh, or you'll be shamed for being angry. So it kind of depends on your history a little bit. So I would say, what are your family of origins, mom, dad, siblings, grandparents, cousins, uncles, et cetera? What were their messages to you about feelings? And then once you've identified that, what about school chums and friends and teachers and that kind of influence on your life? What was their message to you, uh, coaches, about feelings? And so identify any stifling messages that came from others. Then, you know, what feelings do I feel most often? And which ones feel unsafe to feel? Like I'll be shamed or judged or criticized because that'll give you a clue to which ones you may repress. Um, And strangely enough, if you grew up in a home where you weren't allowed to be happy because someone was depressed all the time or had mood disorders themselves, happy can feel unsafe, right? Because you're not allowed to be happy if I'm not happy, right? You have to feel what I feel all the time. So again, look at what the repressed feelings are. And I would start with just the four basic uh, mad, happy, afraid, and wouldn't mad, happy, afraid, sad. (laughs) I would look at the four basic ones and see like, do I have any resistance to expressing or feeling those feelings? Because that's a good starting point, those four basic ones. And and I'm going to, I'm going to add to this and I'm not sure how to connect it with what you just said. Okay. Again, I'm, I'm going to take it from the context of not only my background, but the, the type of people I work with. Yeah. Um, you know, I am a firm believer that we teach best what we need most to learn. Sure. So it, it helps me be a really good teacher <laughs> because I need to <laughs> learn a lot. Um, and I'm always curious. That said, uh, I am constantly asking clients, particularly in a one-on-one setting, are you, will you allow yourself to fail? Mm-hmm. Good question. And even as I say that to you, mm-hmm. that's probably one of the worst scenarios for me. Because the environment I grew up in is you are the best. And you must succeed. Right? You, I, I don't remember being told that it was kind of like an unspoken expectation. Yeah. But it's if you're like the best, you're going to succeed. Right. Right. So second is only the first loser. <laughs> It doesn't leave a lot of room. It doesn't leave a lot of room, which meant, meant in addition to, you know, other things that I had going on, I was a huge overachiever. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine what that does with the happy and angry, because Mm -hmm. I was Mm -hmm. as angry with myself for not being able to perform at times, Mm -hmm. which really, as you say, what you were saying was a fear of not being good enough. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is I didn't get any pressure from my family of origin to 
be the best or succeed academically or whatever. But I pushed myself because I saw it as a way to gain control over my own life. So, you know, I never had to be reminded to do my homework, for instance. I don't, I don't ever remember my parents having to check up on me. I never like I'm just one of those weirdos that was like you an overachiever but not through any messaging of my parents more like I saw it as my way to get out of poverty I guess Mm -hmm. or my way to get out of um just my my life circumstances and be able to take care of myself and so I realized that those pressures can be from external from family of origin they can also be internal from some sense of you know, and then that lead, that led me to the same level of pressure. Like I need to be the best and it's hard to relax. And, you know, it's, you're hard always, to get you're always on perfect grades. Yeah. You know, so despite it, not it being an internal thing, not an external thing. So I, w- I want to say this to listeners too, because I, a lot of us are very cerebral, right? You yeah. think I notice I'm feeling happy. I notice I'm feeling sad. I notice I'm feeling that, um, you heard me earlier in the broadcast say a lot of the times my feelings are very physical. Um, yes, you're I, I'm not, I'm not that guy where I go through, I can do this with a lot of other things, but when it comes to mm-hmm. uh, my love language, for example, it's touch. And the reality of that is then, you know, I will feel anxiety in my diaphragm. I will mm-hmm. feel there's a, I have different places in my body or my chakras, mm-hmm. depending mm-hmm. on, on your, belief system that Mm -hmm. get activated. And that's how I can, I've learned Mm -hmm. over time. And so I want listeners to understand that for those of you who are very um, touch oriented or very Mm -hmm. uh, um, visceral, who, who just, you need to feel literally Mm -hmm. and figuratively. um, Mm -hmm. We put all these little names on it. It may not be that for you. It might not. Yeah. Like, um, I, I just attuned to usually I feel sadness in my chest uh, and maybe other people feel sadness behind their eyes, you know, or in their head. Well, uh, you know, there's a, there's a reason in the English language that we have terms like you're a pain in the ass you're a pain, <laughs> because you literally a pain in my back, a pain in the neck. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We, we hear yeah. there's a reason stress and tension. There's uh-huh. a reason that we have those things because believe it or not, your physical body is probably, at least in my opinion, a better determiner of what's going on. For example, Scott, are you feeling anxious? I didn't even, you didn't even you know, know it consciously until I checked in. I was like, Oh my God, my diaphragm is feeling that angst that I am. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what, and that so- would make sense if like your two feelings are primarily happy or angry, you can identify those easily. But when it comes to maybe sad or anxious, it takes you a little bit to tune into your body to identify those. I I will tell you, I'm learning anxious. I've never really, anxiety has never really been a thing for me. Um, But but not not anxiety, not anxiety. What about under the bed as a kid? That was survival. That wasn't, it wasn't, And and the reason I'm saying this is Uh um, I learned to really identify anxiety Uh uh, a while back when I had, and I just, I've said this before, I had shingles and didn't know I had it. Oh, yes. And the shingles were subcutane, were were under the skin. They were in the nerves. Mm -hmm. I've never felt anything like this emotionally Mm. when, when the, the anxiety hit. I have never in my life experienced what I was told is anxiety because of the pain your body is feeling and you just don't know that the nerves are registering that <laughs> versus I just don't belong here um, or as Alan Watts put it I was a mistake <laughs> that's hiding under the bed I don't belong here you were not my people <laughs> it wasn't an anxiety like I've <laughs> come to know it um, and as a result of that right if you all are scaring me if if I scare you first, first. <laughs> you can't scare me, yes, to use Lady fun. Gaga's term. Yeah. Um, you know, in the time we have left in today, I, I'd mm-hmm. love to know, though, Michelle, I'm listening to you. I hear you with what you're saying, how you express things and and how your partner 
has said, well, if Michelle's not happy, Happy. she must be angry. Must be angry. How, because I don't want to leave this hanging for listeners. I think it's too important. How, as a couples therapist, Uh okay, so I walk out and I see Michelle puts on the board, her little magnet dude guy. (laughs) Yes. Today, I'm feeling stressed. Uh Today, I'm feeling sad. Today, Mm -hmm. I'm feeling anxious. I'm happy, whatever. Mm-hmm. I can tell you what Scott's going to do when he comes out. The white knight. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? How do I fix it, Michelle, for you? Oh, okay. Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. Uh, or a more research-based book called You Just Don't Understand that's even older. It's from the 90s from a Stanford professor. Male and female communication style differences. Women talk to be heard and develop community and to hear I understand you. I totally get it. You're not alone, et cetera. Men tend to share when they want solutions. So if you are in a relationship with someone from the opposite sex, uh, don't fix, listen and witness. So here's why I'm asking this. Uh God, I feel like I'm doing a therapy session with you. Uh Um, (laughs) Here's why I'm asking. Uh Because when I say something. Yes. I want you to take the pain away, fix it, help me. Exactly. That's so, a male so, communication style. I know, but if I if you're not doing it, how do we deal with the emotion? Then you're rejecting me. You don't love me. You yes. don't care enough. How yes. do how do those of us that are from Mars? Yes. Or Venus. It's, it's not the real planet, by the way. It's a different planet, but we'll just call it Mars today. <laughs> help help our listener help Scott. Okay. How do I let you be you uh-huh. and still send you, I love you? Okay. So I would say personal responsibility. I, Michelle, need to be seen and heard. I, whoever I'm talking to, male, female, whatever, it doesn't matter. I say, I just need to be heard right now. I, I need somebody to listen to me. And then, you know, do you have time to just listen? I don't need feedback. Yes. Okay. Great. Thank you. It's so nice to then I uh, blah, blah, blah. And I share and I share. Thank you so much. It was so nice of you to give me your time and listen. And now I've communicated and I, Scott have this thing. I want, I want it to be fixed. I want some solutions. And you come out and you say, I'm having, I'm having some feelings or problems or blah, blah, blah. And I need to talk about it and see if we can problem solve and fix it. Do you have time to help me? Yes. No. Okay, so Scott goes, blah, 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 blah. Okay, now I'm open to your your fixing and you talk about what would feel good. Do you need a hug? You know, uh, physical touch is your love language. Would it help if I hugged you? Um, Would it help, you know, is our words of affirmation part of it? Would it help you to know I'm in this with you? I've got your back. Uh, You are not alone. Is it gifts? Like, can I get you something? Can I buy you some flowers? Um, Is it acts of service? Can I rub your feet? Can I make dinner tonight to take that off your plate? Can I take out the trash for you? Is it a quality time? Do we need to set aside some time so we can be together so you know you're not alone? So those are the, you've got to know your partner. You've got to know what they want, but also speak for yourself. Do you want just to be listened to? And if the person forgets and they start to try to fix you, can you redirect them? Or if they forget and they're not offering solutions, will you advocate for yourself and ask for some problem solving to be done? So it's funny that you say that because when I talk to clients and they present with an obstacle challenge or problem, Uh one of my go-to responses is, okay, do you want to feel better or do you want a solution? (laughs) But sometimes this is what I'm saying about male-female communication differences is for a woman to be listened to and share for, for many women, not all for many women to be listened to and shared and not given solutions and just be told I'm with you. I believe in you. I know you can work your way through this. I'm here with you. I'm sorry. You're going through that. That itself is a fix. And sorry. And maybe this is a good way to end today's episode. Does how in your practice, uh-huh. How do we help listeners communicate? Because not everybody communicates well. I know. Right? It's right. like, just let me do my thing and I'll be fine. How yeah. how do you suggest that a listener, a couple, for lack yes. of a better way to put it, a couple 
communicate, even if they don't want to, even if it's outside their comfort zone, so that each other knows where they're coming from in terms of emotions. Set a three minute timer and either sit in silence and let that person honor your space or say as much or as little as you need to in the three minutes. Then when the timer goes off, have that person say, I honor you, I heard you, et cetera. Flip the timer and the other person gets their three minutes. Just start there. Okay. Um, Just start again, there. <laughs> it, it, it's, a, it's a big, it's a big topic and we've it run is. out of, we've run out of time, <laughs> I know. Um, but we're going to communicate, we're going to communicate, we're going to communicate, we're going to continue this uh, next week uh, because I think yes. it is, I think we both think it's so important uh, to get across. There's certainly been a lot of info in here. Um, real quickly though, just as a, a recap, what are the, the TED talks that you had mentioned, Michelle? There is, uh, first of all, Tony Porter and the man box. You can usually find that. And Susan David and the gift and power of emotional courage. All right. And for any couples out there who could use your help, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, find me through postinternationalinc.com. Cool. And what about you? Uh, well, do you, you can get couples coaching. Uh, I do, but it's not, it's not on this topic. Sure. Uh, we, we do it again. That's, you know, I'm, I'm showing people no, no irony involved, how to be fearless. I, I literally am working with people uh, of how to remember who they are. That's awesome. It's, it's for people who've lost themselves okay. uh, and, and want to get that back. So, you know, for anybody who needs that, you can get me at thinking magically. Com. All right. I want to thank everybody again for being with us. It's a, it's a, I know can be a heavy topic. I think that this is incredibly important, as, particularly as we move into the holidays and as all the emotions start bubbling up and you got you got to deal with, work with, coordinate with loved ones, right? They're, they're mm -hmm. loved ones. It doesn't mean they're your friends. It just means that they're part of your obligation. Uh, and you can choose whether to do that or not. We'll, we'll also be talking about that. We've got some other things planned as we get closer uh, past Thanksgiving and into the winter holidays uh, as well. So with mm -hmm. that, thank you all for being here. And Michelle, thank you for everything, for bringing this up as a topic. And we will uh, see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. You've reached the end of another episode of Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. If you like our show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate our broadcast, and leave a review. The podcast is for general information only and not intended to be legal or mental health advice, nor the formation of a lawyer-client, nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening.